It's time to pick up the phone. Answer that call. This call is your calling and you can't hide from it or ignore it. That passion you have to help people and make a difference isn't going anywhere. You deserve to get paid and paid well doing work you love and changing lives. Everything in your life has led you here. And now we're here to help you figure out how to make your destiny your reality. Welcome to Six Figure Certified Coach, the podcast hosted by Inner Glow Circle. IGC is an internationally accredited life coaching school created to take your existing professional skills paired with your life experience and turn it into a six-figure coaching business. We've trained thousands of successful coaches and now it's your turn. Let's get focused, get real, and get you six-figure certified. Big thank you to Paperbell, our podcast sponsor. Paperbell is the new tool that powers your online coaching business. Paperbell handles your payments, appointment scheduling, sending files to your clients, contract signing, and more. You can get started with a free account at paperbell.com slash podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our next episode of Six Figure Certified Coach. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I've just been like on a retreat with you guys since we were hanging out last night, too. Um, I have Alexa Curtis and Heather Miller here, and we're so excited to dive in. First, I'd love to get started. You know, the whole premise of season two is telling your behind the scenes story. So as you guys know, and everyone will know once you share what you do, a lot of people compare themselves to our after story. And so what I'm so fascinated with and what this season is all about is sharing your before story because people see you you know, at this stage in your career, doing the things you're doing, you guys in partnership. And then when we go to start our own ad- adventures in life, we, we get stuck because we're comparing ourselves to someone's, you know, chapter 24 or book three versus chapter one or the introduction. So I'd love to hear a little bit about first your business and what you guys do with Grasshopper. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so I'll chime in first and then um, I'll kind of let Heather explain more about Grasshopper because we both have such unique backgrounds. So we do a mutual contact at UT and I think February. And Katie, I know that you always had a co-founder and I never really I think when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times you're going through the motions, but it's sometimes difficult to piece together what you need in that moment at every time. And so I had always kind of envisioned partnering or finding a Heather in my life, but it just never, It I heard these horror stories and I know you have a, a partner, Katie. And I was always like, unless I have that type of partnership, I'm not happy, like I'm not doing this. And so I, I had a unique background because I started as a blogger back in 2011 when I was 12 and then built it out into this lifestyle platform. And that stemmed me to have a show on Radio Disney and a podcast And while I was at Disney, I started this college summit program called the Be Fearless Summit. And so we had had about four summits that I had hosted on my own, which was an immense amount of stress. And then when I met Heather and saw what Grasshopper was and was becoming, there was just so much synergy. And so it just made a lot of sense to really step away from directly the Be Fearless Summit and kind of put that under Grasshopper. I love that. What's your version of the story? Yeah, for sure. Katie, thank you so much for having us. And yes, it was so nice to see you last night and today. So my version, so I launched Grasshopper as a women's mentorship app. 
um, at the very, very beginning of COVID. So um, it was always a virtual platform. It was for women to connect, um, almost like a, a bumble, but just for women and mentors and, and peer mentorship. Um, what we found was that women were looking for so much more than just that like virtual connection and just uh, and, and so much more than just mentorship. They were looking for upskilling, career development. So Grasshopper was at the point of pivoting to that, like sort of opening up the aperture so that we could deliver so much more um, and, and try to do some of that in person as well when I met Alexa. Um, and as she said, so much synergy um, and obviously like two boots on the ground, two brains, uh, you know, more than just having... Um, just the like creative energy of another person to add to your creative energy and your ambition. I think we're just going to be able to blow this out of the water. So, um, it, it was so, um, it was so lovely to, to meet Alexa. And as she said, um, I had been looking for a co-founder, just kind of putting feelers out there, just exactly what you said last night, uh, Katie, like just kind of like putting it out to the universe and Alexa came to me and it was, it was a perfect fit. So sometimes you just have to be patient, but, um, things do pan out. Yeah. I love that. I love that story. And I think that partnership is so important. I think that, you know, especially as women, like we're really built for partnership and it's all about finding the right person person at the right time. It doesn't always happen right away, but if it's something that you desire, putting your feelers out and seeing what's out there. So Grasshopper is a mentoring community. Is that correct? Well, it is more than that now. So I okay. would say, um, well, we would both say it's a uh, career road mapping and development platform and community. Of course, mentorship falls within that. Okay. Uh, what we're trying to do is help young professionals who are um, between the ages of really, and with the Be Fearless Summits, we have 18 to, I'd say, 37-year-olds who okay. are our main demographic, who are looking to figure out what their career is, if they're already in their career, are they in the right place? Are they in the right industry? Are they working for the right company? Do they want to pivot? Do they right. want to launch their own companies? And then we sort of have mentors around us as well. So um, of course, all the mentors who come to us um, through our virtual and in-person programming, our mentors to our community. And then um, once they start to age out of you know, the actual membership, they kind of give back and, and pay it for it and become mentors to uh, the community. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really nice circle. I love that. So mentorship is really the the basis and the original inspiration, but it's grown into a lot more. Correct. Yeah. I think also because before I met Heather, I launched Mentor Match that got so much press across the country. And so that was really cool for me. And I know you were also a mentor in that. And so I think because I had launched that and Grasshopper was initially this mentorship dating style app. I think a lot of people as they've seen the evolution of the brand are like, wait, how has this changed? And it hasn't really changed, but we're no longer doing that one-on-one -on -one mentorship and like coaching style. And we're really way more focused on community and hopefully we'll bring more of that one-on-one -on -one, perhaps at future summits or in the future. So example guys, for, for those who are listening last night, I led a mentoring session teaching your 
community how to have a mentor, how to get a mentor, how to maximize their mentorship experience, right? So you're going to have different classes like this that are available for people. Correct. Both both virtually for the virtual community and the in-person community. So we just launched our, our first um, in-person community in Austin, where Alexa and I both are, but have plans to um, to launch in New York, LA, Chicago, um, maybe a couple of other uh, cities that are close to us, like Dallas and Houston as well, and Connecticut, where Alexa's from. So lots yeah. of in-person opportunities to connect as well. I love that. And so, you know, tell us what's really the story behind the brand. Like, obviously, I'm sure you guys both have your stories with having mentors. I'd love to hear those. But what is the the premise and the problem that you guys are trying to solve with this? Yeah, I can start with the problem and then we can both go into kind of like our stories and, and what attracted us to launch something like this. But I, I, the problem is really that there are not enough women in the leadership suite. So we're at like the dismal percentage of about 21%. Um, so Grasshopper is really about getting that representation mm-hmm. um, in, in leadership. And so we're doing that through career development, road mapping, personal branding, upskilling. Um, I think for me, the inspiration came from years and years and years of not having mentorship or support or a roadmap to get to where I wanted to be. So Mm. a hundred years ago, I I was a a dancer, like a very young dancer um, who went to an immersive school Um, we lived away from home from the age of nine and, uh, really had no mentorship sponsorship, just saw a lot of, um, things that come from lack of support. So bullying, um, eating disorders, um, yeah, just, just like a direct pathway. And then fast forward, made my way into law, which was a very male dominated, um, community profession, uh, following that design, which ironically sort of is as well. And then went Mm. into, um, uh, consulting where I saw the total opposite, like just so much support and, um, and, and mentorship from the community. And I saw how it impacted, um, everyone, not just women, but Mm. everyone's careers. And, and during that time, I launched a really successful mentorship program at that particular consulting firm, which just gave me an impetus to sort of bring that to the wider community. So I was studying sort of barriers to access and, and entry into the leadership suite, um, and, and why people are excluded from communities and, and mentorship and, and really wanted to, to democratize that and bring that to the community. I love that. That's so powerful. I love that. Like you have stories both of having and not having and, and seeing the difference between those. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine too was a bit unique because of my age and having tried so many things and way before I even met Heather, the more that I progressed as an entrepreneur and was able to talk to so many college students, I just really realized that not only is it so effing hard to be in your twenties, but it's this day and age where you can literally become something overnight and have no background or experience or reason to having done it. And that always really frustrated me. And when I started to realize how social media was shifting and where this group and population of predominantly young women were aspiring to be things that really they shouldn't want to be based on the internet, that was a huge push for me mentally. And so when I met her, 
I was just under the impression and I'm so grateful that we decided to pursue building Grasshopper together that we as two women who come from such different backgrounds, but have done such a tremendous amount in our careers are going to be able to impact even more young women by showing our past. And though Heather's was a bit more traditional with school and, you know, taking more of a corporate job initially in mine was like, just wing it and see if it works out. We both have lived through our 20s, currently living through mine and have gone through so many of these experiences in corporate experiences as well. And so it's just a cool dynamic for us to be able to bring in our own personal things we wished we would have known when we were at the beginning of our careers. Oh my God, Liv. People are always coming to me asking how to make six figures as a life coach. And I'm like, what? Like it's hard? It's easy if you just go to class. To get our free class on how to make six figures in your coaching business, all you need to do is text the words six figures to 813-212-8869. Again, text six figures to 813-212-8869 to get our free class on how to make six figures as a life coach today. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to pull out, kind of flush out something you just talked about Alexa, which is you said something, and I'm hoping you can say more about young women wanting to be like people they see on the internet that they shouldn't want to be like. So I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Oh gosh, I'm so opinionated on it. Do you really want to hear it? Um, I totally want to hear yeah. it. Um, I, I have so much to say and I would say like, and the basis of it to avoid just like talking shit about the internet, which is obviously a huge bulk of what I do. But the downside of that and the reality is that and something that I really realized at Disney and when I was there and I was able to see, you know, I'd have people come into the studio who had these massive followings and to just see the reality of what their real life was and what they were portraying. Mm -hmm. And that could be the best thing ever. And it could also be like, we're looking at someone who, for example, like, does a bunch of drugs and drinks a lot or has a massive trust fund, but acts like they're Mm self-made. And I know that sounds really harsh, but like when I'm looking at this person and like, I thought this person was an inspiration. And then I'm thinking of the 12 year old girl who's looking at this person that in a sense it's fraudulent. It just hits something with me constant. And it constantly still does to be honest, because of how I built this and having come from nothing and having done this before the internet allowed me to be go like go viral and so I just urge people, not even just women, but literally anyone to really have a deep understanding of what you're looking for out of someone when you follow them. So that number one, you don't get disappointed when they disappoint you, because a lot of times the reality behind their life comes out online. And yeah. also, if you want to follow someone, like, why are you following them? If it's just for fashion pictures, great. But if you're really inspired by the trajectory of someone's career, then go deeper. What part of their career do you want to aspire to have and to follow? Um, and how did they get there? And if there's no way they got there besides one video and like an agent who called them, is that fame? Is that really success? Is that an entrepreneur? Um, I say like really note all of the above besides luck. Yeah. Maybe something you that struck me that you hit on last night in our mentorship um, workshop was like, make sure you're mentors are people that, um, you align with not just in their careers, but in their personal lives, their Mm -hmm. value system, like 
how they treat the people around them. And somehow, sometimes it's just, as Alexa said, it's so hard to glean that from the internet and their, their social media profile, which is, um, obviously edited for the, the, you know, best version, but that's not the full version. And so I love that advice that you gave to yeah. uh, our members last night. When I was, you know, a lot of that comes from experience. When I was in my mid twenties, I, I moved to New York city right after college. So I guess I was really, I was probably like 22 or 23 actually. But one of my first jobs was working for a small consulting firm. The woman that I worked for was on the board of this organization called the step up women's network. And I had a lot of really great experiences and they invited me to be on their junior board. And I was like 10 years younger than most of the women on the board. They were like in their mid to late 30s, some in their 40s. And it was an incredible experience. But to what you just brought up, Heather, you know, most of them were unmarried. They didn't have kids. They were like really like stressing about this part of their lives. And, you know, I had this realization like, I don't want to be like to not have made any headway in that area of my life at that age, which for me would have been 10 years down the road. Now, this isn't like, like anybody can do what they want, right? But I saw women who wanted something and didn't have it. And it was like, they had just like, kind of like picked their heads up because they'd been working so hard and they had incredible careers. I mean, they were working for like the top makeup brands. Like, you know, they were working for like Rent the Runway when it was like, they were like one of the founding members. Like, you know, these people had like really cool jobs, but I, my perception was like, there was not much balance. And I come from a very big family and family has been a huge part of my life. And also when I was growing up, my mom didn't work in a traditional sense. My dad worked for her family's business. So she was always very involved and, you know, when when my youngest brother was a certain age, she went back to work and they continued to grow that together and still are. But, you know, I was kind of caught between like, oh, my God, like either I'm not working and I'm staying home with kids or I'm just ignoring that part of my life. And so that's so important to me when I talk to other women, like really look at who do you want to be like, you know, and to your point, Alexa, when I entered the coaching industry, you know, the coaching industry, especially during COVID got like insane, right? Because you can become a coach with any kind, without any training, without any kind of credential, you know, you don't have had to work at McKinsey or whatever. Like you don't have to have any credibility. You can still call yourself a coach, which is so insane. But I was like, this was 10 years ago now. And I was in some masterminds and like groups with all these other women who are quote unquote successful. And I'm finding out like they're not actually making money, like they're losing money, you know, but they're blasting the internet saying like million dollar year, you know, come to find out they spent over a million dollars to get there. And I'm like, oh my God, the house of cards is falling, you know? So I hear what you're saying, Alexa, too. Like, it's just so important that we actually have transparency with the people that we look up to and with each other. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So let's take a, a step back for a minute. I always like to ask people, what did you want to be when you grow up? I mean, this is a weird question for you, Alexa, because you're so like such an anomaly, like starting your business, you know, as a preteen. <laughs> I wanted to be an actress. And so uh, I did. And 
And I, then I thought I could sing. And I remember I applied or auditioned for the school play and my mom's British. And she just walked by me one day and was like, Alexa, like, it's not going to happen. Just stop. And I was like, (laughs) and I was like maybe 11, 11 and a half, like had either just started my blog or was about to. And so then I did pursue acting, uh, but I really, my parents didn't have any money and I could not, I tried, I even made, that's when I knew I really would be an entrepreneur is I made a PowerPoint for them when I was like 13 about they should move to New Jersey to get me closer to New York and how I was going to like help them afford to make my mom leave her job as a nurse and my dad, um, (laughs) like job or whatever he was doing at the time. And uh, they were just like, no, but like great PowerPoint. But I, so I thought I could be an actress. Um, I wish you pitching. That's where your pitching skills originated. I think so. I think so. And that's when I realized the power of a PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing what we did as children. Like, I really wish I could like harness some of that, like energy and gall and like grit. Now it's, it gets so like filtered out and censored as we get older, but that's so cool. I love that. And then Heather, did you want to be a dancer? Was that the big dream? Totally just wanted to be a ballerina. And I knew from the age of two and so started training very seriously. Um, at age six, got into this like pre-preparatory program for that school that I mentioned, that immersive um ballet school. Uh, joined it at age eight and and really danced until I was, I want to say about 26. So wow, about 22. I got sick, sick of ballet, just got sick of the, the structure, uh, the rigidness of, of it and not being able to have a fuller life. Um, dances, I, I don't, and now actually it's amazing what social media has done for dancers and they can have all these like side businesses and, and, uh, side hustles, but Um, back in the day, it was really like a group of like five girls that would live in a tiny apartment in, you know, whatever city that you join the company. And I was just like, that is, that's not really what I want for my life, but was still very passionate about dance. Um, so then, um, kind of turned to hip hop and became, um, like a backup dancer for like LL Cool J and Bismarcky and kind of like, I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Toured Canada and the U S and then about 20. I was like, okay, I'm sick of living on a, on a tour bus. Um, meanwhile, I was doing law school and this was like really pre Wi-Fi. So there was like, I had one of those like Wi-Fi sticks that I plugged my computer to try and like stream my courses. My friends were taking, um, recordings of the courses and sending them to me at hotels where I was landing for the night for like, you know, uh, whatever concert we were dancing for. And finally I was just like, this is, this is not the life that I want to live. I need something like somewhat more stable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I didn't know all that. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting, you know, like I, what? As in secret lives of the rich and famous. Right. We're not so rich and not so famous. <laughs> um, I, so I wanted to be an actress at some point, but then like got 
I, I was in drama in high school and got like a really terrible role cast. And I was like, okay, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to like go from the bottom up in this. I'm not dedicated enough. And then I wanted to be a writer. And I remember like, I have such a vivid memory of me telling my granddad that and him saying, well, what else are you going to do? Cause you can't make any money as a writer. And then I was like, well, I guess I have to start a business then because that's the only thing like anyone in my family does. They work for the family business, but I was like very adamant that I did not want to work for the family business because I didn't want to feel like it was the only choice I had, you know? And it's funny, like even, I mean, obviously now, like I've published my first book, I'm working on my second. So I am writing, but I also did take my granddad's advice and started a business that I feel has allowed me to pursue those other aspects of my career. And so I always think it's interesting, like looking backwards and connecting the dots backwards, like Alexa, for you, obviously you're on camera all the time. Do you feel like you get to live out some of your like actress dreams or the things that maybe you thought? I also think when we're kids, we don't like know what all the jobs are, you know, and the world is constantly evolving. So yeah, yes. And it's actually, and I've been really transparent about, you know, when I was building this. And sometimes, quite frankly, now uh, I have to do these TV segments and I'll work with brands. And that's just part of being an entrepreneur is like, sometimes you make X amount of money and some months you just don't make as much money. So between the TV segments and the Disney show, um, as much as I built a brand on being unfiltered, I mean, I would be lying if I said like half of that was not acting because it was acting. Like I, you cannot either they're editing you to look like it was acting or I'm memorizing something. So I even noticed like my voice on this podcast, my voice is normal. But when I was at Disney, it would like the minute it would come up, hey guys, this is Alexa Curtis and it's different. It's acting. So yes, I don't feel like I'm living it out in the same way. Uh, but I feel like a lot of it sometimes is acting. Do you think your purpose in life is to create invoices or remind your clients that they have more appointments to schedule? Not at all. You're a coach because you love creating transformation for your clients and that's why you need to check out Paperbell. Paperbell powers your online coaching business, payments, appointments, contract signing, client management, and more. It's so simple to use and it'll give you so much relief and ease in your coaching practice. You just send your clients one link, one link, and Paperbell does all of the admin and onboarding. Your client pays you, they sign the contract, they self-schedule their appointments, and you can even add an intake survey or deliver a welcome packet. Paperbell does it all. It's like having a VA that's there 24 seven. And it's so quick and intuitive to set up, even if you're not tech savvy. Paperbell is a one-stop shop that does all of the boring admin stuff so you don't have to. Get started with a free account at paperbell.com slash podcast. There were points where, um, you know, my interests started to shift aside, uh, you know, to something other than dance. Um, for example, I was really into, I was very artistic, like really into the fine art. So, um, graphic design was something that I was really into like merchandising, fashion styling. And there were so many naysayers. I remember my, my mother once saying, Oh, you can't be in graphic design. Like one of our cousins is in it and she's on welfare. Like just like such old school opinions about entrepreneurship or freelancing. Um, and that's really frightening as, you know, a, a younger professional. Um, so it wasn't until I was much older and starting to 
you know, come out of dance and and pivot my career that I really started like owning what I loved and what I wanted to do aside from dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, after law school, went back to design school. So did interior design and architecture, which really allowed me to indulge those, those kind of like fine art skills that, yeah. that I um, and aesthetic skills that I really wanted to exercise. And actually what I love about Grasshopper is I get to do all that. Like we're in Canva all the time, designing for PowerPoints. I mean, building an app from, from scratch. And of course I had help. I am not a coder. So I had a developer, but just really understanding like what I wanted, what that creative flow looked like, what I wanted people to experience as they were going through the app and seeing with right now, like, what do we want people to experience as they're um, connecting with us and the community and as they're learning? So um, yeah, I certainly get to indulge like so many more of those, those passions now. Yeah. And what was your inspiration for going to law school? Like, where did that come from? Oh, that was, I I really have to say that was like family pressure. So I was, Mm. I was coming out of dance and I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? And just, as you said, like kids don't know all the jobs. So like I had come from, um, a world of like doctors and teachers, and I knew I didn't want to go into medicine. I was like way too squeamish for that. Mm -hmm. And I started to look at what my parents' friends were doing. And some of them were lawyers. And I did kind of those, like a few day in the lives, um, like touring around their offices Mm -hmm. and internships and thought, you know what, maybe I could combine my enter my passion for entertainment. So like the dance and and that background with something that was like, um, like a vocation. And so Mm. I thought, well, maybe I'd go into entertainment law. And Mm. when I got into it, the curtain was really peeled back. And, and, um, the reality of it is, is you're doing a lot of the paperwork, you're doing the contracts, like you're, you're not getting to do like on camera creative stuff. And that's when I started looking for something else. So I, I really thought that it would almost be like an MBA where it was like great training for whatever you wanted to do. Even, you know, if you wanted to go into something corporate or traditional, or if you wanted to become Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, but, but law is, while it's a great, great education, it is really for people who want to go into law. Yes. There are lots of people who transition from law into something else, but it, it doesn't give you, I think my personal opinion, the broad skills that like an MBA, yeah. Does. Yeah. I was just wondering what your inspiration was. It, we have a student that's starting with us this fall who her story is that she like left, she walked out of the bar exam in the middle of the exam and was like, I want to become a life coach, looked up our company or looked it up online, found our company and like basically signed up. Right. Because law is a field that some people get into because they want to help people. And then they realize like, I'm not really helping or I'm helping, but I'm miserable or right. And so I think the the main point that's so important here for those of you guys who are listening is that you can pivot your career. And if you start going down one path and you hate it, it's really important that you actually pivot as soon as possible. And you can have so many different you know, iterations and evolutions of your career. And I think like, you know, you talk a lot about upskilling inside of Grasshopper, but, 
you know, I always say like, think about the skills that you want to develop next. Like if you think about where you ultimately want to be, you got to track it back and say, well, what skills do I need to be there? Right. In all of the roles that we're talking about, we all got leadership skills. We all gained communication skills. Right. And so how can you apply those as you pivot your career? I think something um, that's really interesting that I'm seeing become a little bit more formalized is like the practice of um, informational interviews or shadowing. I'm actually working with a mentee right now who is actually who just graduated law school. It was combined with an MBA, but does not want to go into um, law and is trying to figure out also has sort of a little bit of an entertainment background and trying to figure out what her next step is. And she's just having as many conversations as she possibly can with um, people who are doing interesting things or people who she admires or looks up to. And I think I think that's so important. I used to do that out of just like sheer, almost like pain. Like I'm really not enjoying what I'm doing and I'm trying, you know, it was, it was sort of unconscious, but she's doing it very consciously. And I, I really admire that. And so that's something I would suggest to other people, like just start having those conversations, those coffee chats. It's incredibly inspiring and like hope provoking. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. All right. So I want to get into the good stuff, like some of the behind the scenes stuff. This is like where you guys get to tell all and admit your real truths. Um, Alexa, I know you've talked about this a lot, but you have a really inspiring story from what I understand about using your blog as an outlet for your anxiety. And I know you talk a lot about mental health. You have talked a lot about mental health. Obviously that comes up when we have you know, teen girls comparing themselves to the Kardashians or whatever. Can you speak a little bit about your behind the scenes story and give us like sort of a snapshot of your before? People always bring up the Kardashians like a reference point for this and, or just in general of like what the media portrays and like what it shouldn't portray, which I always find is funny because there's now so many other people who have like very similar aesthetics and vibes that perhaps are not the healthiest for young women to see. But I remember I had an eating disorder when I was about 16. And that sent me to write an article on the Huffington Post that kind of went viral. And from there, I had a ton of young adults from my high school, and I was still in public school at the time, reaching out and sharing their stories with me. And then I was asked to speak on a panel with Talkspace when I was 18, which is an online therapy platform. And so as my entrepreneurial journey continued and started to do well, not only did I start to have like serious imposter syndrome and anxiety, but also I started to struggle with a lot of depression because looking back, I mean, the things that I was trying to do with no help, no money behind me, I mean, it not only got me into debt, but it just, it was way too much for someone my age, but also that is just how I am. So I would never say like, don't do it, but definitely Mm -hmm don't move out at 17. Like you don't have to do these things to make your life what you dream of or what it is now, whatever. Uh, but so, yeah, so, and then I started and always kind of was in therapy and then, um, it was always just highs and lows. I mean, I struggle with it now, but I am not someone to go online and be like, Hey, like today I'm really anxious and I have sometimes, but I would say that if someone, and I would never necessarily be able to say, or 
and no judgment in any capacity, but like if someone is able to be really depressed, because I deal with like serious depression and go on Instagram and be like, I'm really depressed right now. That isn't how I know depression or the people that I know who really truly like have gotten clinically, um, you know, that they have real depression Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to get out of bed. So certainly I would say that's another thing to look out for is that mental health trend that people jump on top of when a lot of people will go saying they have anxiety and depression, but do they really like, do they really know what that is? Or do they just like one day I'm really stressed. I now have anxiety and my followers are going to resonate with it. Um, And so I would say that it's hard to say whether or not someone really has it unless they're able to openly say like, I've been seen for this, which I have. Um, But definitely those are just some things to look out for if you're following someone and you resonate with their mental health journey is like, there's so many different forms of it. Um, But like real depression, there are just times where it's really just impossible to get up. And that's something where if like how I deal with it is I just don't really deal with it. And I have to just turn everything off. Right. Well, I think what I'm hearing from what you're saying is like, if you, let's say you follow, you know, someone online and they talk really, like they talk about struggling with depression, but they're posting these like glossy photos and reels. And you're kind of like, that doesn't look like my depression, you know, in my depression, I can't even get out of bed or I can't even open the apps or I can't even ask for help or I'm not even talking to my friends or right. And so, you know, maybe we don't want to take away someone else's story, but I think the, the point here is to not compare yourself right to someone else's label or diagnosis because it looks differently. And um, I agree with you and I really resonate with what you say, what, what you're saying. And I've had a lot of ups and downs as well, too, between the loss of my brother, having chronic Lyme disease and being sick for 10 years. Right. And so even now, like I might have a day or a week or something like that, but it's, I'm a lot more resilient. I might still call it depression, but I'm much more resilient. Whereas like before I would have months at a time where I didn't feel like myself. Right. And so it's also relative to, I feel, you know, what our baseline is in that moment when I was really sick and then my brother passed away, I didn't have much of a foundation. So yeah, it's just so important. Like you said, not to compare ourselves. Totally. Totally. I was going to say, just to piggyback on that, that it's it's a spectrum, right? Um, and mental health is a spectrum. Um, and as you said, you're you're going to feel awful some days, not able to get out of bed. Then there's kind of these like shining lights at the end of the tunnel that you might want to follow. And perhaps um, that is when people are, are posting or maybe they're using their community as an outlet, like as a coping mechanism. So yeah, just to, to your point, Katie, it's um, it's really important not to compare and just to understand like where you are in the moment mm-hmm. um, and that you don't necessarily need to be any anywhere else that yeah. what, like you need to help like self-validate your your own feelings and your own experience. Yeah. Heather, I want to get to your behind the scenes story, but Alexa, I have one follow up question because you started at like when you were just telling the story, you started at 16 but your blog actually you started at 12. So what was the original inspiration or motivation for starting the blog and what did those first 4 years look like? That's a great question. I started it I remember it so clearly my sister was living in Staten Island, New York and she was in a miserable marriage and um 
I just realized like as a 12 year old, like to be an actress, it was going to be really effing hard. And I also love to write and I was failing. I always was just failing out of school. Like I could just never seem to get anything besides a C unless it was in English. And so my sister had read about this girl, Tabby Jevonson, who started the style rookie. And we were sitting on her couch and I remember it was raining and she was watching like the real housewives. And, uh, she was like, you should start a blog. So I went, they had like an office in the house they were living in. And I just went and I Googled how to start a blog. And at the time, a lot of people wouldn't even know about this website now, but there's a website called Mm blogger.com. And I came up and I came up with the name of life in the fashion lane. And I just literally wrote a life in the fashion lane.blogspot.com. And I wrote my first post on September 11th, 2011. And it was like, Hey guys, it was all, it was, probably 45 sentences in one paragraph, no spacing, like no grammar. And it was just like, Hey guys, uh, you know, I love fashion and I love dressing up and here's a photo of an outfit I just got. And I really didn't think I would write on it every day. And then I started to write on it every day. And then at that time I was obviously still living with my parents. So I would say maybe like three years in is when I started my LinkedIn page and started getting asked by other companies to do like small branded things. This was like at the beginning, beginning of like the influencer market. And then when I was 16, I convinced my mom to let me transfer to online school. And I ended up getting consulting gig with a girl who found me on LinkedIn. She would do all these TV segments. And I was like, how do you make money? And she was like, oh, you pitch the brand. From there, I had this like aha moment and I pitched Fox Connecticut. I found the producer's phone number online. I called him and was like, can I do a back to school segment? And I spiraled from there. And so to kind of run my blog, and that's how I ended up moving out is I would book these different TV segments and then go to different companies. And initially it was like, you know, pay me a hundred dollars, I'll mention you. And then I would do one and I would up that to 200 and then two to 300. And then at that point I was maybe in a new city every week. Cause it was really the only way that I could make like X amount of money to be able to cover what I really wanted to do and not go to college and get in more debt. Hi, it's Kalia, IGC coach training grad and six-figure certified coach. I know you're here listening to these incredible stories of successful coaches and wondering, when will it be my turn? I'm sure you entered this year with the goal of finally stepping into your purpose. And there is no better way than enrolling in IGC's internationally accredited coach training program. Enrollment is open now and it is your turn. So take the first step by going to innerglowcircle.com forward slash call right now and book a free call with me. Your six-figure certified story starts today. Alexa, what I love about this story is what you mentioned, like you didn't have expectations for this outlet for your passion. You were just like putting it out there and that it did take a couple of years until you found a way to monetize it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of got smarter about like the business aspect about it. And that's, I think what Alexa and I tell a lot of like our community members as well is like, if you really do have a passion and you're curious about like what the side hustle could look like in 10 years, like if it really could become, um, a full-time gig, like just start like playing around with it and give it time. Like don't expect, and just to like the purpose of this podcast, like don't expect it to become like an overnight success. Like it really, it's, it's, it's going to be a work in progress always, but like it does, it does take time to become successful. Yeah, it does. And also like, I think you have a relationship with 
the world and your career. And when you start putting things out, you start getting things back. Right. So a lot of times, like we aren't willing to do something unless we know what we're going to get back. And I think that's really silly because the more we can just follow our heart and do what we feel called to do and do it with consistency. You know, I think Alexa, it's interesting. Like I think a lot of people start a blog or start an Instagram page or start a TikTok or whatever, but like you kept showing up. What do you think kept you showing up? I didn't have anything else. And when I was seven, my dad was put in prison. And the year that he got out is really the year that I started my blog. And so I didn't have anyone else. I mean, my sister was in this really terrible marriage and my mom was working to be able to afford to pay for me and my dad because he couldn't get a job. And so the blog became not only a community for me, which is kind of cute now that I'm able to run with this whole community building thing and be a part of Grasshopper in that way. But back in 2011, 2013, like there was almost this little group of like girl bosses and we all followed each other and you'd have to click like subscribe on the right hand of blogger. There would be an icon that was like subscribe. And it was like, I remember my first 700 followers and everyone's like little icon. I don't even know how to explain it. I feel so old, but like everyone's little icon was there. And so not only did I also have no friends in school and was doing so bad, but like to be able to have that community through my website because of the subscribe button, it just, it made me feel like I was worth something. Yeah. Just like a little reframe. Cause like the old thing is kind of LOL when you're what, 24 <laughs> 10 years of this Katie. But no, but like, it's not old. It's just, you've just been in the game for a lot yeah. longer than yeah. most people your age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all of it. Like, I feel like I've been in the game a long time. I also feel really old. <laughs> like it's oh just all, all of it. But yeah, Stop. it's a lot of good business experience though. Yeah. Okay. So Heather, what are you willing to tell us from your like behind the scenes before story? Yeah. I think I kind of like touched on the, the main points. Um, you know, I really had like um, a reason to be very early on with dancing. I think like, as I started to realize that that wasn't the type of life that I wanted for myself long-term is when I really started to struggle with depression and anxiety. Mm. And, um, I guess I, I was like relatively young, like in my early twenties. Um, but, but I felt like I had totally lost my identity. Like who was I, if I wasn't, you know, a, um, prima ballerina and, um, I didn't look the the specific way that ballerinas looked and wasn't in that community. And um, that that was really hard to deal with. Um, then, as I said, just kind of launched myself into law because I didn't know what else to do. And that was really difficult for me. I remember um, going to like career services and, and trying to see like, are there all alternative careers for lawyers. And at that time, like those services and that mentorship were, were not built out in any way, shape or form. I know that they certainly are now. Um, so I really, I really struggled. I really struggled to find role models and, and mentors and people who looked like me, um, who were, who were doing something that I wanted to do. Um, and then of course there was the, the family pressure as well to be like super type A, 
hyper successful, um, make X amount of dollars. And so that was always kind of like chirping in my ear at the same time. So beyond the, the pressure that I had on myself to become something, I had that outside pressure as well. Um, so it wasn't until my my late 20s, I actually like picked up after law school and moved to Australia and enrolled in design school, which was like a total just like that was like my moment to just enjoy um, what what I wanted to do and kind of explore and explore my creativity. And then I have to say that was like a real pivotal time for me because coming out of that, I really operated on the basis of like, no, like I want to be um, a well-rounded human being. I need to create some kind of balance in my life. Mm. Um, whether it was, um, you know, connecting with friends, connecting with family, also having a career, being able to travel. So really looking at like the full picture and being like a, a holistic being. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in Australia too, by the way. Did you? Where? Yeah. I lived in Coogee Beach outside of Sydney. Outside of Sydney. So I lived in Manly. Do you know where that is? Uh-uh. Right outside of right outside of Sydney as well. I I it was like so glorious. I would um take the ferry from like one beach into the port of Sydney and the ferry went like right by the opera house. Yep. Stunning. all those beautiful houses and the architecture and it would like drop me off right at school where I was you know getting to do design and um connect with creative people so it was like an ideal time in my life yeah same I have such like great memories of that yeah. chapter um I just want to point out one thing like circle back to it you know you mentioned the word identity and and as you started talking that's what I was thinking about and I think that you know for I I think that it's important for all people, but like, I'll talk about women because that's who we all mainly serve. I think that as women, it's so important to have an identity and know who we are in the world. And, you know, this is actually one of the themes I'm writing about in my next book, which is like, you know, who am I, right? When the, the parts of my life start to change, either because you know, maybe you lose a job or maybe you shut down a business or maybe you start a business or maybe you have a kid or maybe you lose a child or like all these things, like, or you lose a relationship, a marriage falls apart, you know, we're constantly recreating ourselves. And I think that's why it's so important to establish who you are, like as a person in the world, you know, just on your own, who am I if there's no one else around? And then from there, you know, find the business partner, find the romantic partner, have the kids, create the company, have the team, et cetera. But knowing that we could always fall back on and rely on ourselves, because I do think that sometimes depression can come from sort of like an identity crisis of who am I and do I matter? And I think that's really important for us to solve for as people you know, establishing that like, yes, I matter. Yes, I have a purpose. And here's what my purpose is and establishing that for ourselves. I think it's really, really hard to, um, to 
own your identity at all times. I think as you say, like we change situations in our lives, throw us for loops. And um, so I think it's like the practice of checking back in with yourself is very important. And then also understanding that like maybe who you were yesterday is different from who you're going to be tomorrow. And that's okay as well. Like you don't have to be a girl boss all the time. It's, it's just not, it's not realistic. Um, actually Alexa and I were having a conversation with one of our community members on Friday at one of our in-person events who was pregnant. And she was saying it was like, a to- she was having a total identity crisis because it was just like she was sick all the time. Not that strong woman with endurance that she knew herself to be. And I was identifying with that because I have two little kids. I have a one year old and a two and a half year old. And um, and pregnancy, post pregnancy, then having to rearrange your life to figure figure out like, you know, how am I going to get them to daycare and then get to my get to my office and work a full day and then be a mother afterwards that it's just, it's, um, it's like a forever conundrum. So you have to keep like checking in with yourself and and remember that like, it's okay not to be like a beacon of strength all the time. You're going to have some down moments. You're going to have moments of identity crisis. Some days you're going to know who you are true and true and, or through and through. And then other days, um, you're going to have to try to figure out who, who you want your future identity to be. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I agree with that too. And something I would say that I always find really interesting is quite often, which I, I'm honored to say is like, people always are like, I love your energy. Like, let's do this. Cause I'm obsessed with you. Like, how are you always so happy? And I mean, I love what I do. So it, it helps, but just because I'm on a call feeling happy, like right now, doesn't mean that an hour ago, I wasn't dealing with something totally stressful and gave me so much anxiety, but also like, what would my brand be? And now our brand, if I got on and that element of me changed. And so I think that ultimately, the more that you really are able to explore and find yourself, the more that you're confident and being like, I'm not having the best day, but like, that doesn't mean that I'm still not happy to be alive. And I'm willing to make other people feel inspired by something I have to say, even if it's just, I got up today. Yeah. Yeah. I teach this exercise when I, when I speak where, um, we go through like, what are all the roles you play in your life? You know, and I've done it like in really corporate settings. And then I've done it in like very small, intimate settings. And I've done it, you know, with all types of people and the breakthrough that people have is like, oh, they're like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a child, I'm a sibling, I'm a caretaker, like I'm an employee, but I also am a mentor. Like our, our resumes, like our actual resumes of life are so long and there's so many roles that we play. And so like, of course, you're not going to be killing it in every category every day. You would, you know, be superhuman, right? It's just not possible. I don't think it matters how much money you have, how much power you have, you know, what networks you're on, how much, how many followers you have. I just think it's life. It's like the experience of life. So I love that. Thank you guys for sharing. That's really beautiful. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Do you have any final words that you want to say to our listeners? 
I'm going to let Alexa go. She's really good at like plugging yeah. Grasshopper. So this, this is her string. Oh gosh. No, you, I know we're both so good at this at this point. Um, you know, just be fearless, feel comfortable being uncomfortable and also feel comfortable admitting that you just haven't figured it all out yet. And I, I will tell anyone and Katie, I know you can vouch for this, that even the most successful people are still figuring it out. And there's so many different ways to go about doing that. Uh, but just everyone's got this unique journey. And so if you also really find yourself unhappy with an element of your life, like this is your story, no one is telling you to stay in that job. No one is telling you to stay in that friendship, that relationship, that house or that apartment. Uh, so feel free to like experiment and take the leap. And you only really fail if you don't take the leap because you'll never know what would have come out on the other side. Yeah, that's the hop part of grasshopper, right? Yep. Take the leap. I used to always say, like, be fearless. And now I'm like, take the leap, take the leap. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so glad it was like seven years of like gotta be fearless. And now I'm able to switch it up a bit. You need you need another tattoo. Uh, I know. Like oh no, don't tempt me. <laughs> oh, you guys should get like little frog tattoos. Where where believe me, we've we've um, we found a place where may in Austin, where we, where we might, uh, find ourselves one afternoon yes. for, for one of those, but uh, to, just to add to that, I would just talk to the, the power of community. I know, um, at least I do struggle alone. And, um, sometimes I have to like pull my head out of the sand and remember that other people are struggling as well. And, um, just like force myself to reconnect with the community, which is exactly what we're hoping to provide at Grasshopper. So while you're going through these changes and experiments and pivots, you realize that you, you can realize that you're not alone, that most people in fact don't have like a straight trajectory, um, to the top. And so, um, just try to try to plug back in, plug back in with people who are like you plug in with people who are unlike you, like everybody has wisdom to, to share. And, and that's what we're, we're hoping to bring. Yeah. Across. I love that so much. All right. Where can we hang out with you guys online? Where can we find you on the socials, et cetera? So you can follow grasshopper at, at grasshopper with two P's. And then the website is grasshopper again, also with two P's.com. And then my Instagram is at Alexa underscore Curtis. And the membership page is on the new website as well. So feel free to go there and check what we're about. And the first hundred members, which we're coming up on soon, uh, get this founding member pricing and also, uh, just get to be a part of Grasshopper from the beginning. And so we're really excited about that too. So definitely check all of that out. And check okay. out our new, brand new website. It is beautiful. Yeah, I, I saw it last night. It's gorgeous. Love. All right, ladies, thank you so much for doing this with me. It was super fun. I thank adore you. both of you. I'm so glad we've got this little crew right here. And um, yeah, can't wait to see you again soon. So fun. Kisses. Bye. Bye. Let's face it. The world needs you and your clients are waiting. This is the year you make it happen and become a six figure certified coach doing exactly what you were called to do. If you loved this episode, give us a five-star review and share it with someone else who's ready to make moves and answer their calling. We can't wait to see you next week and help you make your first or your next six figures as a certified coach. 